And I'm Crispin. In this podcast, we will be listening to the Adventures in Odyssey radio show that has been put out by Focus on the Family for the past 30 years. If you grew up evangelical like us, there's a good chance you've heard an episode or two. We'll be on the lookout for themes and messages in the show that coincide with, and sometimes depart from, God's vision for his kingdom in the world. Thanks for listening with us. imagination podcast yeah this is our q a episode right mm-hmm. we've wrapped up the ties that bind i feel like i i don't know i feel like i'm 10 years younger right 10 what do you mean because i haven't listened to admission and Odyssey okay, in a while right, yeah <laughs> don't look at me like that well i'm just trying to figure out what you're you, supposed I was to gonna... say you do look sprightly oh yeah you do Thanks. i was gonna say i feel i was like it has been a long time and i think part of that is because i feel kind of burnt out so yeah you had to drag me into doing this that's <sighs> true because i don't love everybody <sighs> but we'll get to that right we'll get yeah. to that won't we so q a crispin we decided this would be a good time to sort of wrap up not even just this season, but maybe I would say all three seasons because mm-hmm. it's not like we've had a plan, right, about what we've been doing. <laughs> right. We just like hang out sometimes and, uh-huh. re- and record us talking about Adventures in Odyssey. Right. But then like randomly, like a thousand people will be listening to one of our episodes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I think if there's a thousand people listening, then, you know. Right. I don't know. It, it'd just be good to sort of circle back answer some questions some are silly some are not silly Mm -hmm. that we've just been getting recently right definitely okay so uh one of the main questions we get sort of has to revolve around the fact that we still do let our kids listen to adventures in odyssey Uh even as we spend hours and hours critiquing the more problematic episodes so you get this question a lot Right, Kristen, mm-hmm. is what are some actually good Adventures right. in Odyssey episodes? Yeah. Because I'm assuming there's other people like you out there who like to listen to them, find mm-hmm. it comforting, helps them go to sleep at night, or they have kids too, yeah. and whatever. Right. Yeah, so I was thinking about this episode, and I was thinking about that episode of Parks and Rec when Andy Dwyer like just describes movie plots. So what if I just like... Took oh the rest gosh. of the episode to just describe. I'm going to bed. Each of these plots. I bet there's some people that would hang with you, and then there'd be some people that'd be like, "I'm with DL." I don't think I, I can actually this. remember yeah, the plots of these. I don't know. But, Seems like you listen to them a lot, but, based on what I can tell. Embedded in my early childhood memories. Okay, what are the good ones? Okay, so I liked Blind Justice, which we listened to together. Okay. Um, cause it's about the justice system and yeah, I've already really forgotten it. Uh huh. And, mm-hmm. and does like talk about, uh, how bias definitely like can, can lead to injustice in the justice system. Uh, the mm-hmm. case of the delinquent disciples, which is just because it has Harlow Doyle in it. Oh yeah. Um, and he just says lots of silly things. Listen to that one when I was like five. Okay. Isaac the chivalrous because it's a pacifist episode. That was like the first one we ever did. It was. Uh huh. Good job oh, remembering. Thank you. Yeah, we chose that one because I actually liked it. And it was this, like, pacifist, like, there's no reason that I should fight someone uh, over whether or not the Bible is true. Which kind of, like, ties back to uh, 
Uh, Everything themes. in our life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say themes from this last season. Okay. <laughs> then there is Our Father, which is actually also hits on another theme around like the like family, right? And like people that uh, like uh, what is our kind of Christian obligation for people that don't have mm-hmm. intact families um, and welcoming them. Good. The Visitors, another one along those lines. So like welcoming it's about this family that the Barclays welcome in on Christmas actually then they like sort of kick them out and then they disappear because they're angels <gasps> um, oh my gosh so, that one sounds kind of good I know it's like right? the first time I've been like I want to listen <laughs> right. to one of these BTV Compassion is great we also did that yeah. one uh, Melanie's Diary I like it's just about sisters fighting but there's some like empathy lessons there Poor Loser is great because it's Bernard and Eugene, and Eugene just loses his shit <gasps> because he can't win at chess oh. against Bernard Walton, who's oh. an old uh, custodian. Uh-huh. So you can imagine, you know. Yeah. Uh, Best of Intentions um, has Harlow Doyle in it. Okay. Um, Monty's Christmas is about... Uh, Wit's daughter's divorce and oh. her kids and how they deal with the divorce. So that his was interesting. Grandkids? Mm-hmm. Mm. Monty and uh, his granddaughter. I can't think of her name. Okay. And then Scattered Seeds, which is another silly one, but it's about the parable of the seeds. Wow. So there you go. There's ten. Ten good can, ones. Mm-hmm. Are those so those like old school ones? Yeah, mostly old school for sure. Yeah. yeah. So we don't know about the new ones. Maybe listeners have some ideas about that, and they could mm-hmm. chime in on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe we should try and put th- that list in the show notes if if we do mm-hmm. something called show notes. <laughs> right. All my favorite podcasts <laughs> talk about show notes. I was actually on a podcast that came out last week. I know. I that saw had that. Excellent show notes. It was like at this time she talks about this. Yes. At this time and she talks like, about this link. That's amazing. Right. I know. So we should maybe try and do that. Yeah. Seems hard. Mm-hmm. Seems, yeah, like something. Yeah. Okay, so I will just say I still struggle with, you know, this is probably my Enneagram 1. By the way, this is a question nobody asks, but I'm going to answer it. I'm an Enneagram 1. <laughs> okay? The reformer, That's the question nobody asks? Yeah, nobody wants to know my Enneagram number. Mm. What's yours? You already know what it is. I know. Can you tell the other <laughs> yes. people? It's an, I'm a 9. <gasps> So we're nine and one. Did you know that's a really common pairing? Mm. And it's actually like the most successful podcast co-host pairing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you know most that? successful marriage. Well, that too. I did not know that. That is I totally made up. made that up, <laughs> yes. but it seems true. And anyways, as an Enneagram one, a, a part of me is like, I just don't think we should let our kids listen to these at all. Because yes, I would do that. believe... I mean, three years after we started this project, I I believe Focus on the Family is way more corrupt. Insidious. Yes, than I would have thought. So Um, I could burn all those tapes, you know? Yes, you could. I could could do it. I could do it tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I think we paid $5 for like... For all those tapes. So our daughter only listens to the tapes we bought at a garage sale five years ago. Right. So it's not like it's a huge deal in our life. Uh Uh-oh. I got to confess something. What? Um, In order to make this podcast, I've had to buy... Some episodes? The episodes. I actually tried to... Oh, for the ties that bind? Well, no. Well, that, yeah. But actually, every single episode, 
that we because I needed a digital version to put the clips in because otherwise it just be like focus on the family. <laughs> yes, we have. See, as a nine, I would just I'm like rather not tell right you now. this. Oh my god! As a as your one. So for those people who are asking, like, where well, what are the good ones? I would just say, just go listen to a good podcast. Forget Adventures in Odyssey. <laughs> Get some audiobooks from the library for your kid to listen to. Every quality book is on audiobook, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's what Ramona. Ramona's over Odyssey. Right. I don't think Ransom's ever going to get into Odyssey. So we're moving on from that phase of our lives, except with this podcast. Mm-hmm. It might remain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a good question. Like, if you want your kids to be listening to something that has a mm-hmm. spiritual aspect to it what would you suggest they listen to well, ramona listens to like all the chronicles of narnia that's what i was thinking of. all yeah. the time right. um she has the wrinkle in time yeah on cd right now i don't know i think that it's kind of hard we all listen about to, that we, metaphor <laughs> we do listen to a lot of like rain for roots music mm-hmm. but we don't do a ton of like christian stuff our you know ransom our four-year-old has gotten really into veggie tales music mm-hmm. recently which is funny because like when i was like a kid i guess veggie tales came out when i was like 10 or 11 but i was like i'm sick to death of this you know like everybody's so excited there's right. some christian animated s-h-i-t yeah. out there mm-hmm. it's all we watched right yeah. and now my kids are like what is this what is this oh my <laughs> gosh and like Ransom will ask Alexa to play VeggieTales songs all the time. Also, he was stomping around the house singing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the book for me. Mm-hmm. You know, VeggieTales. And my God is so great. And just like so into it. And I was like, we are not shoving this down in your throat. Like you right. are demanding this. Uh-huh. It's really interesting. Right, yeah. I mean, here's the thing is that Danielle has been telling me like we need more like, you know, music, like Christian music for our kids to listen mm-hmm. to. So then I listen to The Signs of Life by Stephen Curtis Chapman every morning for a week. You always go straight to that, don't you? <laughs> right. Then she's upset. I don't want them listening to that. Right. Anywho, age-old yeah. question for us aging, deconstructing evangelicals. What to do with our kids? That's mm. a big combo. We'll keep having it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, what's another question? Um, so you wanted to ask, what do we do with the Old Testament's treatment of women? I didn't want to ask that. Somebody asked us that. Oh, okay. In an email. Okay. Like, what do we do? I guess because this past season was a lot about, it had some gender issues in there. So what do we do with the Old Testament and how it portrayed women? Like, how do we view God's view of women? So this Mm -hmm. is a big question. Right. Are you ready to talk about this on a Saturday night? I don't think so. Um... Yeah, I, somebody asked us this question because I think it is tied to us, you know, talking a lot about, like, patriarchy is not God's dream for the world, right? Which is how mm-hmm. Sarah Bessie says it. And part of deconstruction is, for us, has been recognizing, like, wow, patriarchy really is at the root of a ton of this stuff. And it's like a brick wall you end up pinning your head on. So for me, I definitely don't think I'm in a phase where I want to somehow twist the Bible into being a book that isn't patriarchal because I think it is, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I think it was written in that context. Um, You know, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, but the most refreshing thing for me 
has been to read theologians who are extremely honest about the violence against women mm. that is rampant in scripture. Hmm. So like, you know, I would say growing up evangelical is like, no, 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 no. Jesus makes it all good. Like Jesus loves women, ex- except you can't like, be a leader. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like Jesus loves you, but like, you know, you are designed to compliment yeah. and be in the hierarchy and, blah, right. blah, you know, so it's uh, so confusing. So it's so good to just read, you know, I'd say specifically, Black women as theologians, right? They've experienced like the worst our society has had to offer as far as sexism and racism. When they read the Bible, they're just like, this sucks for women. Mm-hmm. And we're going to sit with these women and we are going to imagine sometimes an alternate future for these women. We are going to mourn for them. We're going to lament for them. We are going to Call them by name, right? I think mm. there's like what seventy something women only named in scriptures. Like, mm. wow. yeah. So just being honest is like really refreshing. Honest about how how much it sucks. I'm fine. I mean, I'm fine with staying there for a while. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. Mm. I'm not going to make it into something it is. I don't think God is patriarchal. Mm-hmm. I think the Bible is. Right. I just talked a lot. Yeah. Like a woman shouldn't. <laughs> you can say Jesus loves women. He wants them safe, quiet, in their role. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I mean, I think it is related to this bigger question about like relating to the Bible and like how do you relate to the Bible? Yeah. And I think for me, like I haven't been spending a lot of time in the Old Testament lately, but I think. Like, just realizing that there's a lot of space to relate to the Bible in a lot of different ways. And so I think we don't have to... I think, um, I mean, creating... um, I think, especially if you've just grown up where you... Everything has to make very clear, logical sense, right? Um, According to, like, a Western mindset right, is for one, just really exhausting. And what we end up doing is we right. just throw out the stuff that like doesn't seem to fit this like whatever narrative we have. Yeah. So yeah, I think like there it's there's like so much respect for the Bible if we do what you're saying, which is just like sitting with it and and like not trying to like come to like really ironclad conclusions. Yeah. I mean, I've spent majority of my life like trying to figure out the bible or study the bible or like make sure i understand the bible correctly and like how how old do you think i'm going to be when i die just tell me right now (laughs) this is sort of like when you ask like who i would marry if you die yeah 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 don't talk about that on air Um, no like how old do you think i'm gonna be when i die (laughs) let's hope for 90 well (laughs) that's what i'm hoping for that's pushing it Let's just say I'm halfway through my life. So I spent the first half of my life trying to figure out the Bible. Now I'm like, I find it really interesting to hear people's perspectives who are very different from me on what the Bible has to say, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I'm being like, if I feel awesome about myself, I'd just say that I'm going back to the biblical roots, right? Of how the Jewish traditions read scripture, right? Right. Like, People argue about it, and it's fascinating. And you just get in there, and you just, like, swim around in all the discourse, and you're like, wow. And Mm -hmm. people contradict each other, and that's okay. And I think it's – I mean, I was sort of trying to explain this to someone in real life, and it kind of became clear that that makes it seem like I don't 
respect the Bible. Um, and that's not what I'm saying, but I don't read it like an evangelical does anymore. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I don't love it. I don't respect it. It has authority in my life. It has weight in my life. Right. I have lost the faith in my own ability to get it right. Mm-hmm. And I need other people. Right. Yeah. Does that totally. make sense? Yeah. And I think that's like the core of it is what I was thinking about is like, even as people are, you know, ask us questions like, how did you come to the conclusions that you did yeah. about like, uh, like gay marriage, right? That's the big one right now. Right. People yeah. ask us about <laughs> right. it. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that. People keep asking. Yeah. Um, and just realizing like there is room for a lot of different interpretations of scripture and you that doesn't mean that you're not being faithful to God or the Bible. Right. Right. Which it sounds like obvious, but like that's just an accusation that gets made like right away is like if you're not like holding to right. our interpretation. And so. people keep lobbying that, that at us. And I think it was hurtful a few months ago and now I'm just sort of like I don't know what to tell you. Right. You know, if that's what people think, that's what they're going to think about us. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what you're saying, like there is, it's so interesting when we are open to all these different ways of looking at scripture, we really can engage it in this new way. Oh, it's exciting. Right. Yeah, exactly. I like to be excited about the Bible. Mm-hmm. It feels good, right? Right. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm excited about all of it. No. No. But I think all these eyes on the text, this era we're in, it doesn't have to be threatening. It's very threatening to conservative evangelicals. Mm -hmm. It's very threatening. Um, But it's not threatening for us right now. And that's exciting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a big one. Um, Okay, let's see. Okay, you wanted to do the next question? I feel like we just answered the next That's question. That's true. Where, what is our relationship to the Bible? Well, we answered that one, but like, what is the next one? How your views converge or diverge with the series, The Adventures in Odyssey series in general, or just that one? Hmm. I don't know. I think we've talked about where views diverge. I think the entire premise of Odyssey is to set up <laughs> right. a haven where everybody thinks, looks, acts, believes just like you. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they're thinking it's like the new city, like in Revelation, um, but it doesn't seem like that. Mm-hmm. There should be every nation, tribe, and tongue. <laughs> um, right. You know what I mean? Like every single person should have access to shelter. And uh, right. yeah, so I'm like, it doesn't seem, it honestly doesn't seem like congruent with the vision of the new city in Revelation. So therefore it's, a white evangelical enclave in middle America, which no, I diverge <laughs> from that premise. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing right. the little Benedict option. Yeah. No. Right. I mean, looking at this question, right. Um, how do our views diverge or converge? Where did it start and what got you here? Um, so Mr. Whitaker's uh, view of the Bible and Christianity and the world is like, this is really clear. And if you just do this, then this will be the result. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting thinking like, when did I start to diverge from this? And I would say like in high school, I just remembered like having this view of like Christianity and this idea that like Christianity is supposed to make you happier and healthier and holier and like, 
And just like seeing people that were on the outside of it where the like this message of Christianity didn't mean anything and didn't actually like help them or like heal them. Um, people that had been through trauma and that were suffering. Um, and I feel like that was like, even if I look at that, like that was kind of the beginning of like starting to wrestle through like what I'd grown up with. So it's yeah. kind of interesting. That yeah. was about like 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, the second part of this question was, how do you think we should explain the issue of people who are different with kids? Which is interesting because we were in uh, several commentators on the internet. I don't know if you've heard of the internet. They said that they were really disappointed that the Ties That Bind series just didn't even begin to broach this actual topic. Like, how do you talk to your kids about the fact that there are people who are gay or identify as queer or, who, you, you know, like... That's not what this was in any right, way, shape, no. or form. Uh-huh. Um, and I think a lot of Christians are like, what do we do? You know, and I think the knee-jerk reaction is this, right? Like, mm-hmm. shut it down. Shut down the conversation. Shut down any place in the public sphere where kids would get, you know, access to this information. You know, like right. this... Shut like, down drag story time. I was going to say, there's like yeah. this big, like, cultural tension point of, like, drag queen story hour happening at libraries and... Like, I know people on my Facebook who like start petitions, right? To get these things out of our libraries. And a part of me is like, uh, wow. Like you really want to put your energies there. I think what we do is we like be honest with our kids. Like there are different people in the world who operate differently in the world than us. So even if you're conservative, you have to explain that to your kids at some point. There are, people who are trans in the world there are people who are gay in the world there are people who um are black and as a result experience racism in our society right like Mm -hmm. i think we you know maybe wish some of these differences didn't exist i mean even stuff with like physical disabilities like it's just so much better to have the conversations with your kids Mm-hmm. Than to pretend like it doesn't exist. Like that really leads to problems down the line. Like, and so again, lest somebody think we are extremely progressive. I was actually thinking about this. I was like, would we take our kids to like a drag queen story mm-hmm. hour? I don't think so, actually. Like mm-hmm. that's not like a big deal to us. They don't actually do it at our local library because I don't think it would go over super well in right. our local area. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I am trying to think like neighbor holistic wise like i'm not saying we would not take our kids to it but it's not really a part of our community it's not really what's going on with our community like our community has uh story time in russian story time in spanish mm-hmm. you know what i mean like these kinds of things uh that's really going on in our community but yeah like we've we talked to our kids age appropriately mm-hmm. as it comes up um, and I think that's a big difference in how both of us are raised, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And just try to, yeah, so we, we try to talk about things as they come up. You talked to Ransom about fat phobia today. Mm-hmm. Um, While we were playing Zelda. Yeah. And just like these these conversations just kind of need to be happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm, I really like, uh, oh, I can't think of... Her name, but she wrote, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? Oh, yeah, I don't know the name. Um, and she talks about, like, the way that she talks with her kids about it is she talks about, like, 
sexism or racism. And she's like, we just kind of make a game out of it. Not that it's like a game, but like, especially with kids, right? Yeah. She's like, we just like keep an eye out for it. So in this story, like, oh, like it seems like the writer of the story thinks that women can't do things that like require strength or, you know, yeah, and just like always like be processing it, um, which I think is a great way. And like, yeah, I think these conversations can are really important and can be very intense, but I don't think they have to be that intense with our kids. Yeah. And I think there's, it's. In my mind, I also see this having two variables. One, um, this is just more natural and normal if your actual life is diverse, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, Ramona has had Muslim friends from day one. So, we've had to have talks about what makes religions different, what binds us together. You know, she knows about refugees. She knows about immigrants because that is our life. Um, So, having your actual life be in diverse communities is really important if you don't have access to that. I do think media, books, all of that are incredible ways to engage with your kids. But that means you have to be watching things and reading things with them. Okay. What other questions we got? Crispin. Um, so um, there was an email about uh, the Illuminati conspiracy. Um, what about it? And like, do we think that it influenced... But who's Adventures in Odyssey? But who's the Christian Illuminati? Uh, no, it's like a, it's like the Illuminati. Like there are Christians that are like really into the Illuminati okay. conspiracy. Okay. Do we think that this influenced Adventures in Odyssey? Because of the Soros thing? Yeah. Uh huh. <sighs> I don't think in so. In 2019, who knows? Right, yes, I'm gonna say true. yes. Kay. You say no, I'll say yes. Okay. Yes, it did influence it. Uh, Rebecca, I'm, that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say no. I think that uh, the persecutory conspiracy theories of evangelicals have just been like very grassroots okay. in a way. So who's in the Illuminati besides Beyonce? I don't know. I don't know. George Soros, I guess. Right. I love how like all these Christians were like, Kanye is amazing. Like, look at him, like, giving his life order to Jesus. And then he was like, I'm going to change my name to <laughs> what Christian genius. Like. What, he changed his name? <laughs> yeah, he wants to change his name. I have not heard this. To. Hot goss. Uh, so he wants what? to change his name to Christian genius billionaire Kanye West for a little bit. What? And this is not a joke. <sighs> Which just, like, cracks me up. Everybody's like, we're going to claim him now. And then he, like, does that. Well, you get what you claim. Right. They named it and claimed it. Yeah. Wait, they named it, he claimed it. Right. Anyway, it's kind of an aside. (sighs) I'm going to have a no comment on this. Right. Before I get myself into trouble. Okay, other questions. David Libby. Oh, we love David Libby. Mm -hmm. He's He's the best. Um, He says, uh, we mentioned leaving church and losing jobs. Uh, because of having honest conversations is, oh, just a little, little question here. Is there hope for the church moving forward? (laughs) (laughs) How do you see God moving and working on the church in 2019? We really should have prepped for this. (laughs) Right. Real. Thanks, David. Uh For real, like, Uh Terry Gross, sort of, you know. Yeah. What would you say? Um... I think that there is 
Uh, it's hard to say, but I think that I'd like to think that as in a lot of ways, the world is getting more connected. Um, I think like evangelicalism has been such a little siloed, um, culture, but I think that it's getting harder and harder to not, um, come into the experience of people that are different. I would say just because of like where media is at right now. Um, and that could, that doesn't necessarily mean that things will change, but like, you know, the statistic about like millennial, like evangelical millennials being affirming is like way higher. And I think that's because people aren't just in an enclave. They are actually like interacting with other people in their lives. Oh, I I can hear all the conservative rebuttals to that. But anyways. Yeah. So that's how you want to answer the question? Uh, Do you think there's hope for the church? Yes, because I think it's going to change. And I think that it's going to, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? But I would like to have hope. Okay. And I also feel like the like church two movement, like I'm hoping that that act like that goes somewhere. Like I hope that people listen. I hope that, you know, things do shift. I guess I'm just hoping that like all the gatekeepers lose their power. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So like that, that's the question. Like, will those gatekeepers lose their power? Uh Yes or no? I don't know. That's interesting that you would reframe the question like that. I do think that depending on how honest I want to be in what setting I've been, and since I'm in my own house talking to a microphone, I could be honest, I guess, is that um, I don't know. I don't know if I have hope for like institutions mm. that hold power. Um, it seems like a, a lot of things will need to die and change. And they, and they have to, um, for God's actual dream to start taking root in our society, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just the church, right? The church, I think, is just symptomatic of a lot of what else is wrong in our culture, right? Yeah. So these things just need to crumble. I don't find that very depressing, and maybe that makes me a weirdo. I think that God is so obviously moving in so many places, um, you know, in the shadows of power, um, so many places that are not in the Western world, right? So many places uh, very different from the ones I grew up in. And, you know, people like you and I who come from this dominant culture background, you know, it's our job to just kind of sit back and give up power and uh, be excited to learn, like, mm-hmm from other people where is their hope you know what i mean like where's their hope for the church like that's i guess that's what i'm going to be listening to Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah i don't even know i wouldn't even trust my hope for the future because i've been so baptized into this dominant culture theology that i'm just like oh yeah i need i need to know what the hope Mm. is of other people it's interesting you said that part about wanting like just sitting back and i was like we're not supposed to sit back like we're supposed to like like move against Am I these... a sitter backer <laughs> no. in real life? <laughs> no. No. Well, that's the thing <laughs> is that like, I'm like, we're supposed to challenge like these dominant systems. Right. But I was like, oh yeah, we did that and it didn't go well. I mean, it just did what it did. Right. So in terms of like, you know, trying yeah. to change like church systems and we continue. Yeah. 
So yeah, but I think you. I think we both have different perspectives, and I really do like the fact that you said we have to grapple with abuse, the abuses of power, mm-hmm. and so it feels to a lot of people right now that things are falling down. I'm like, yeah, if they've been corrupted bad, they should. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean something else isn't going to spring up. Right. That's yeah. this. That's this whole deal mm-hmm. of Christianity as resurrection. So. Right. It's okay to, I guess, to grieve death, but I don't think you should grieve it if they're abusive. Right. So I'm very excited to see what's going to come next. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to come from us. Right. We're going to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Totally. Yeah. Whew. Um, oh, yeah. David also asked us, uh, he's mentioned a lot of frustrations uh, for obvious reasons. With these episodes. So what things are bringing you the most joy in life right now? Um, <laughs> uh, I think, you know, hanging out with my kids, mm-hmm. it always brings me joy. Um, we watched the Great British Bake Off, you know, the newest mm-hmm. season, which always brings me a lot of joy. And I'm reading a fabulous book called I Bring the Voices of My People by Dr. Shaniqua Barnes. And it's so good. It's like a womanist vision of racial reconciliation. And it is everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it should probably fill me with like shame and despair, but it doesn't. I just actually think it's wonderfully, wonderfully written and super life giving. So. Yeah. yeah, I seriously thought you were gonna say sugar cookies, because guys, right now we have a plate of Christmas sugar cookies on our table. It's and November, November like tenth, ninth, right? I know they do bring me joy, of course, mm-hmm. and Christmas music, as you know. Yes, which we've been listening to. Okay, what about you? Um, well, I was thinking, even just reflecting on going through this season and all the changes. Like last night, you had a party to watch a Hallmark movie. Uh-huh. Uh, they don't bring me that much joy. <laughs> no. I mean, my friends do. Right. But not Hallmark movies. Right. But, I mean, yeah, you had to because you're writing a piece on Hallmark movies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was really encouraging just to, like, I think I was even telling you this, like, thinking about all these people that are still in our lives um, from different, like, you know, church communities. So, like, even yeah. as we've, like left the system and structure behind like we haven't left relationships behind yeah so that's really bringing me joy oh good yeah okay yeah and then i think the last question or comment we got is from matthew on twitter your friend matthew h Uh uh-huh and uh he said where is the fanfic audio drama about all the evangelical kids deconstructing and going home to face their families on thanksgiving when are we going to make that Ooh. audio drama? <laughs> really, Matthew? Are you asking, like, what should you say to your mom and dad at Thanksgiving? <laughs> That's kind of what I feel like the real question is. That here. would be kind of, like, amazing if you had, like, the Odyssey music and everything. Dun, dun, you know, yeah. and, like, the back clattering of, like, plates. Thanksgiving and... dinner with Mr. Whitaker, and somebody, like, brought up. I can Trump's immigration. Okay, I can't policy. imagine that. But Monty's Christmas, I'm telling okay. you, 
You know, like just imagine his daughter being like, Dad, you're always disappointed in me. You're always criticizing me. Like what if Mr. Whitaker was like, I, I just think, you know, we need we need to just vet those refugees better. And if I was at a Thanksgiving table with him, what would I do? Well, for one, I think he would just use metaphors. <laughs> oh, well, you know, heaven has walls. It's in the Bible. Right. Yeah. He would, like, appear to be not taking a stance. Right. He would be like, it's not my stance, it's the Bible stance. Right. But we don't we don't have any answers for you about your Thanksgivings <laughs> because we're in very... <laughs> you, don't, you don't have meals with your family anymore, Christmas, do you? No. No. And uh, me and my dad don't talk politics very often. And we've made a point not to do that. Right. So everybody else in my life, I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and but sometimes say, there are conversations that go on where he's. Well, I would also say that um, I would say, you, and it's not just me, it's you too, because you talk quite freely about your beliefs about things as well. Um, at this point, we have made people feel deeply uncomfortable to voice their conservative opinions around us. Is that, would you say that's true? Yeah, that's probably true. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like in the past, people might have said something about like, well, I think it's fine to build a wall. And now based on how we have, based on how we have responded, like they are not going to say that to us anymore. Uh And I'm fine with that. I, I'm fine with the fact that we make people feel like, oh geez, I can't really express my beliefs around them because they're going to yell at me. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And plus, I mean, lots of people in our family feel the same way as us. So Mm -hmm. people feel ganged up on probably. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's that whole millennial evangelical divide. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, not fully. Right. I will say that I do think that's a part of our job, you know, as we are thinking about what's new, where is the church headed, where is the faith headed, just like, if we really believe in this stuff, like, if we really believe that God is a God of love, that God is a God of renewal and restoration and reconciliation, that God does not uphold patriarchy, God is not want sexism and racism and misogyny and xenophobia, then, like, we have a lot of work cut out for us to do, mm-hmm. right? Of saying, like, no, no, that's not how God works. Mm-hmm. Especially if we are still saying like we're people of faith, we are Christians. Like, yeah, I feel a little exhausted from talking about it all the time, but I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Do you? No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we still believe it. We have so much work to do with our own people. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I would say like internally as well. But it's okay to take some breaks, as we know. Mm -hmm. So we found a different spiritual community that's really life-giving, and I I do think helps us sustain, you know, these other conversations we're still having in Mm -hmm. communities where there's some disagreement. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So... Did we solve everything? We did. We answered every question. Great. The burning questions. Uh, We have really enjoyed going through these Adventures in Odyssey episodes to a point. 14 (laughs) episodes is probably too much, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to keep doing them. I do think we have reached a crossroads. 
Yeah, just thinking if we're going to do a season four, I think we need uh, some help. Yeah, so we are looking at figuring out how to make this more sustainable. Um, Also wanting to get some input from you all. We love talking about 90s evangelical culture. Yeah. Um, And really, like, understanding, like, where, how are those things that we all grew up in, uh, how do they impact, like, where we're at now? Not just personally, but, like, as the church. Yeah, and culturally. And culturally, right, yeah. We've kind of, like, talked about, like, Frank Peretti. One writer, one person that emailed us asked for a Christy (gasps) Miller-themed... Christy Miller? Does scream in silver blue eyes, Todd? Here's the question. I forgot all about Does this. Does Christy Miller lead to where we are now in some way? No. Okay. I hated Christy Miller. Oh, okay. I'm just I don't think that's gonna be surprising to anybody who's listening <laughs> to this podcast. I'm much more of a Katie gal. Mm. All the dudes in those books suck. Mm. Oh, it'd be awesome to read those again though. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, you hated them, but you read them? Yeah. Because they were like a peek into this other world where like girls were pretty and only thought about if this one boy liked them. That was Mm. not my world. It was like, you know, I was like on safari. Right. In Midwest pretty girl world. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was from the Midwest, and then most of the books took place in California, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting. But I am reading a Frank Peretti novel right now. I would love to do a podcast about the bizarre theology that absolutely has changed the landscape of American evangelical theology when it comes to uh, thinking about demons. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do that. Um, you know, people love your Jungle Jams songs. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people people would love a Stephen Curtis Shabbat episode from you, Crispin. So true. We could talk about Michael W. Smith and how he... Uh, did you know he hosted Donald Trump at the Rocket Man... Or the Rocket Town venue in, in Nashville, Tennessee? The Rocket Town, Rocket Town, Rocket no. Town, Rocket Town. I did that. Donald Trump was there. Don't tell me these things. And Michael W. Smith's behest. Mm. We, you know, we could possibly reach out to Amy Grant. We could. We could. <laughs> so get her take on the things of the world. I have a coworker who is always in Michael W. Smith's Christmas choir if he's in Portland. Okay. So we'll just, you know. It's a fabulous connection. Thank do you. Do a little networking. Right. Except I Ask have a lot him. of things to confront him about. <laughs> okay. Because okay? he that. you he like This he, is what happens when I'm one in a nine or on a podcast. Stop it. Michael W. Smith blurbed the Patriots Guide to History or something. It was like the anti Howard Zinn, the uh, People's Guide to the History mm. of Mary. It was like the Patriots Guide. And Michael W. Smith did this huge he didn't even like a video about it. I was like Michael W. Daniel, he's Stop just it. I don't I don't think that he really thinks that much about this. He's just a pretty face. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. So so we are so gifted at talking about these things, Chris. <laughs> like we are so gifted at talking about evangelical culture from the nineties. Yes. But if we're gonna keep doing this, we need some support, don't we? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've long threatened a Patreon. Well, we started one. Yeah. We did it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we have zero followers as we record this because we have not shared that Patreon. But you guys are the first to hear about it. Um, you can find the links on our Twitter. I will put it on my Instagram and my personal Twitter as well. Um, yeah, I think we just need to know if people like this, if they you know want to continue hearing us blather on about 90s evangelical stuff, which mm-hmm. we would mm-hmm. like to do that. Um, so we need some emotional support mm-hmm. and we also need a tiny bit of financial support. Not a ton. Uh, but just enough to be like, okay, we have to dedicate time in our lives to mm-hmm. to actually do this and to actually do it well and do things like right. show notes. Uh-huh. And it would be fun to possibly interview people at some time mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Right. We, so we started a Patreon. It's um, you know patreon.com slash dlmayfield. Um, and then you'll see it's for the Prophetic Imagination Station. And what we're doing is we're asking for 40 people to sign up as Patreons in order for us to start recording and planning season four of the prophetic imagination station. So we did a couple tiers. Like you don't get anything special if you pay more money because that offends my soul uh, (laughs) because I want everything to be about equity. So like you can just pay $1.50 a month and you get the same as if somebody pays $4 or if they pay $8. So those are the three tiers we did just kind of based off of income and where people are at. Um, yeah. And so if 40 people sign up, even at $1.50, then we can move forward with mm-hmm. doing season four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that gives you guys a chance to give some input about where yeah. we go next. Yeah. Cause we want you guys to tell us what you want us to review. We actually do want to create some kind of forum where we can be interacting you know, on multiple week mm-hmm. basis, right? So yeah. that could be like a Facebook group or that could just actually be the Patreon community because mm-hmm. you can interact there. Right. Um, but it'd be really fun to just like actually chat with you guys a lot more because y'all are very interesting, um, yeah. right. especially you Canadians. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then I think we have some other side projects that both of us independently are sort of interested in pursuing. Mm-hmm. And if we get... um 60 Patreons, we can start working on those. Did you want to say what yeah, definitely. you're going to be working on? Yeah, I am kicking an idea around about attachment in theology, attachment science, uh, which is really like what psychology says about this drive to connect um, and how that impacts, impacts our relationship with God, which is there's lots of interesting stuff there. Um, but yeah, like part of it is like if we're starting up another podcast feed and doing all that stuff, like we yeah. Just need a little more support. But I love, as you guys know, love talking about attachment. Yeah, you do. And um, he's been doing a group at our church about it. Like a mm-hmm. small group. And it's been going really great. So yeah. you have awesome things to say. I think people would freaking love it. Mm-hmm. So again, if we get 60 Patreon supporters, then I think we could definitely make that be reality like really really quickly mm-hmm. so um i would be working on a podcast that would sort of coincide with the release of my next book the myth of the american dream reflections on affluence autonomy safety and power which i would get to kind of explore some of the things i didn't get to do all the way in my book <laughs> it'd be so fun um pretty intense and very fun um and my dream is to do a little bit like um, John Green has this podcast called The Anthropocene Reviewed where he sort of writes creative essays um, and reads them. And so that would be part of it. But then I would also want to interview people that really influenced me as I was writing the book. So that would be so fun. 
because I know some really cool people. So mm-hmm. that would be the Myth of the American Dream podcast. Again, we need 60 Patreons. So what you can do is you can sign up to support us on Patreon. You can also share this, um, you know, wherever you have a social media presence, I guess. And yeah, and if if people don't support it, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I think we just had fun doing this and it was great. But mm-hmm. if we want to keep going, we do need uh, a bit more support. Yeah, and definitely. accountability. Can you guys be our accountability partners? <laughs> <laughs> we can do a whole... That's what Patreon is. It's just a big accountability partner. I was going to say, we could do a whole system. episode on accountability partners. Oh my gosh. I never had one. I was sinless. We could do a whole <laughs> episode about purity culture and DC Talks album Free at Last. Let's know. <laughs> We would have to talk about racism and DC Talks Free at Last. Um, There's so many themes we could talk about with Free at Last. Oh my gosh, I was just going to tell you something. Oh, the other thing that I really want Christmas to do a podcast about, as you guys know, is um, talking about shame and tooth and nail hardcore bands. Right. Something called Shamecore Records, <laughs> where he just talks about how all these hardcore bands... Just, hated themselves. They really hated themselves. It was really sad. Right, which ties back into attachment. It certainly does. As everything does. I was going to say that, but you beat me to it. So, obviously, we've had fun. Thank you for making it this far with us. And we wish you could be chatting with us in real life. We really Mm -hmm. do. So, thank you for taking the time to do this. Is there anything else you want to say, Crispin? No. Yeah, just really glad for all the support, all the emails. Everybody has reached out and... um, yeah, just like letting us know that the things that have resonated with you guys has uh, been really encouraging through these last few months. Yeah, we've had a tumultuous year and you guys actually reaching out, connecting with us has made it so much better. So I, I do think there's a lot of people in this sort of deconstructing phase, but I'm like, I'm not, I don't call myself an ex-evangelical, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So I still, I mean, not to be too weird, but I do think whatever community we can create on Patreon could be a step forward in sort of feeling mm-hmm. a bit less lonely because, right. you know, Thanksgiving can be awkward and mm-hmm. you could uh, leave your church and you could, you know, lose right. writing jobs because of a tweet and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we can yeah. find each other. Right. I mean, that's been the common theme for most folks is just like, I feel like I'm in the same place, right? Like yeah. I don't want to leave my faith. I don't right. want to leave my community, but it's also like a hard place to be. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in that place. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as we're, we're excited about what's next, um, and just wanted to check in with you guys about like what that could look like envisioning going forward. Yeah. So as always, you can email us if you have questions or comments or whatever at the prophetic imagination, prophetic imagination station and not the right. <sighs> this is why we can't have a podcast. <laughs> Um, and we're on Twitter at Prophetic Imagine, and yeah. I'm on Twitter at DL Mayfield. And I'm on Twitter. I got like 600 follows now. You were just blowing up. Right. Just because of you. Because all he does is tweet about attachment theory and people are eating <laughs> it up, evidently. K double underscore Mayfield. Okay. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. Check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and stay tuned for weekly discussions.